0: Oh well, welcome to One Church. I tell you, I'm sure there's no other church in Clarksville that just showed a Daniel Tosh video. I'm pretty sure of it. I'm just letting you know. Um, I'll tell you, it's no, it's no surprise and it's no secret what college team I like. How do you know? Because I'm wearing an Auburn jersey. All right. Now here, roll. There are many other churches in Clarksville. That <laughs> I'm just, joking. <laughs> I'm just playing with you guys. You know, here's the thing. It, it, when it gets football season or basketball season like it's been with you know, March Madness, you know, we root for our teams, don't we? We get really excited. We put on jerseys, and it's just a fun time where we're... Um, and I love football a whole lot more than basketball because we can, you know, tailgate and do all this fun stuff. I used to be a college pastor in Auburn, Alabama. I didn't actually go to Auburn. Um, but, uh, I loved cheering for the Auburn football team. I went to college here at Austin P. So, um, the, what, the four years I was at Austin P and I went to games. Um, and then when I moved to Auburn, I experienced a new feeling of winning. Um, I'm just saying, um, but anyway, it was fun, had a great time. So anyway, but here's the thing. I want to talk today about jerseys and jackets, jerseys and jackets. The past couple of weeks, the sports world has been inundated with the big question of where Peyton Manning is going to go. How many of y'all was like watching that really close? All right, cool. How many of y'all just really didn't care? All right, that's some of y'all. Okay, how many of y'all hating on Peyton? Anybody? All right, how many of y'all like Peyton? All right, cool. All right, well, you know, Peyton, number 18, he's been playing for the Colts. You know, he hurt his back, and the big question is, where is he going to play? He ended up Actually, landing at the Denver Broncos. We found out about a couple of weeks ago. And uh, he signed a deal, a five year, $95 million deal with the Denver Broncos. In fact, we all saw the pictures. We ended up watching the video of it. And they always hold up the jersey of the place that they're going to be playing next. He wasn't Indianapolis Colts. Now he's holding up the jersey of a Denver Broncos. And he's saying, I am identifying with the Denver Broncos. In fact, if I go up against the Colts, hopefully once his back gets better, and he has the choice, he is going to be against the Colts, not for the Colts. Why? Because he is on what team? Broncos. Very, very good. All right, That's really important because a jersey identifies what team you're playing on. Now, let me tell you about a jacket. I like books, and I cannot lie. I like books, and I like, I mean, come on, some of y'all got that. All right. And uh, I I ended up going into Lifeway, and I bought a Christian book a couple of months ago. And it has those dust covers on it, you know? So I, I bought the book, I took it home, and I started reading it, and I was appalled because somebody had taken off the dust jacket cover and put it on another book. So the book I thought I was purchasing, I didn't purchase. All right? Said so it ain't that funny. All right. In fact, it was probably you. No, I'm joking. I mean, because and what's the purpose of a dust jacket? Well, it identifies what book you're going to read. Exactly right. All right. So that's really, really important. A jacket on, on a book identifies the cover. How many of y'all ever judged a book by its cover before? All right. That's me, right? All right? That's what I thought I was doing. Let me give you another one, a uniform. For some of you who are in the military or you know people who are in the military, they wear a uniform. And depending upon, you got to be wearing the right uniform, especially, very, very important, especially if you're over in a war zone. You know, whether or not you're wearing the right uniform will be the difference between somebody saluting you or somebody shooting you. Really, really important. In fact, in the Civil War, during the Battle of Chancellorsville, Thomas Stonewall Jackson, a uh, really big, famous general, he was mistakenly shot by friendly fire because his uniform during the night wasn't readily identifiable. And he ended up losing his arm and eventually losing his life from the Battle of Ch- because he received friendly fire because he wasn't readily identifiable by his uniform. Now today, what I want to talk about, what I want to unpack, is what should identify Christians. Because some of you are here, and you've never been to church before, and you're like, you know, I, I, you, you really don't know how to identify a Christian. Some of you, you, we identify Christians by the little fishes on the back of the car as they're going 120 miles an hour down the interstate. We call those flying fishes, right? All right, That's, That is not how we're supposed to identify Christians. All right, So how are we are supposed to identify Christians? Is it a jersey? Is it a jacket? Is it a uniform? And it's none of those. It is something called baptism. Now, before, I know some of you, you're like, man, Chris, I invited somebody, and they're they're here for the very first time, and you're going to talk about something that really doesn't mean that much, baptism? Well, 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 stop. Because some of you got your arms folded, and I'm, I'm just asking you, give me five minutes. Unfold your arms, and just hear me out. Because this is a really, really important step in everybody's life. And whether or not you've been baptized or you haven't been baptized or you don't even like Jesus at this point, I promise you there's something today in everybody's message to be offensive to everyone because everybody's got an opinion on baptism, right? In fact, if you grew up Methodist, Presbyterian, Baptist, Catholic, Episcopalian, Lutheran, I've got enough in this message to tick everybody off. And the reason why... Is because a lot of us, we have this idea, we have a tendency to drift towards, very important, drift towards traditions that have nothing to do with the Bible. In fact, I grew up Baptist. And I thought, you know, Baptist, we must baptize right because we're Baptist, right? But it has nothing to do about baptizing right or wrong or indifferent, or anything like that. It's not about a denomination, it's about the Bible. So today, I'm asking you to put all of your traditions and conceptions about baptism away for a little bit, and let's look at what the Bible has to say about this very important subject of identifying yourself with Jesus. In fact, this is so important. Today, some of you, you've gotten baptized. Some of you, you haven't yet. Let me tell you, in, in a Muslim country, when a family, when, a, when an individual and a part of a family, when they give their life to Jesus, they're Okay. But once they choose to get baptized, many Muslim families choose to kill that person because they're going against Allah. I mean, this is a really important decision, especially if you're living in a, a Muslim country. So, but, you know, we kind of, you know, we just, it's not that big of a deal for us. All right? so I want to talk about the big deal it is all right now. Let me give you the context first We're gonna be in Acts chapter 8 So if you have kind of got a Bible and you knew you may want to go and start looking we're gonna eventually end up there I want to give you the context of what Jesus has to say about baptism because you don't want my opinion and you don't want a Denomination opinion we want to know what the Bible and what Jesus has to say about this so let's look at it at the end of Jesus's life Jesus is already born at 30 years old he started his ministry he chose he chose 12 guys to do all of this stuff and do these miracles and teachings the religious people didn't like him that much so they killed him and they thought case closed the movement is done we've killed the leader and three days later what happened he came back right that's what we're celebrating next week Easter so excited about that all right Now, here's the thing. He comes back alive, and he talks with all these people for the next 40 days. He's chatting with people. He meets with over 500 people at one time. We read in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And and as Paul's writing, he says, some of these people you can still talk to. So it was verifiable. So he's there, and the last words Jesus said, I mean, the last words anybody says is so important. The last words Jesus says before he ascends up to heaven. This is his last words, Matthew chapter 28, Verse 19. Look at this. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. We're going to stop right there. He says, Here's your job. The job of the church isn't just to build buildings and say, You come to us. The job is for the church to be in the world, to go and to be the light of the world, the light of the world. Go and make disciples. Look at this: of just the people who are just like you. Is that what it says? Just the people who have your skin color, who have your socioeconomic, who, make your, who, are, who, are in, who are just enlisted, are just officers? No, no, no. To make disciples of where? All nations. Let me tell you, if you're a racist, you're going to have to come to big, you're going to have problems here. Because i got to be honest with you, one of my mentors in seminary, Tony Evans, he used to say this, the most segregated hour in America is 11 o'clock on Sunday morning. And that should not be We should welcome everybody and anybody because all of us, if we don't know Jesus, it has nothing to do about how much money you make or what your rank is or what your skin color. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. If you don't have a relationship with Christ, you have no hope. But if you have a relationship with Jesus, you have hope. It's that simple. All right? So making disciples of all nations and what's that next word? Baptizing them. Baptizing them how? In the name of the Father. Son and the Holy Spirit some of you ask how come you baptize like that in the name of the father the son there it is It's because Jesus said it. It's crazy. I know all right now So baptizing so what is baptism? Well, first I want to talk about what it's not and then we're going to talk about what it is the first thing Baptism doesn't make you a Christian It doesn't make you a Christian in fact The only way you become a Christian that is you have a relationship with God is becoming to grips that you are a sinner and the only way you can receive forgiveness is through trusting Jesus to be your forgiver. That is the only way. Now, there's some denominations that believe that unless you get baptized, you're not going to heaven. All right? Let me tell you, those denominations, not to be a hater, but remember, this, let's talk about what the Bible says. That's wrong. That's wrong. And let me show you a great verse. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, says this. God saved you by his grace. By the way, when did he save you? When you believe. By his grace, when you believe. Now, we're going to unpack that in just a minute. That's really important. He saved us when we believed by his grace. And you can't take any credit for this. It's a gift of God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that you have done so that none of us can boast about it. Just leave that verse up there for a while. That's a great verse. Let me tell you, I had somebody in my office this past week, and I asked them, you know what, if you were, whatever so whatever circumstances, you met Jesus tonight. You were up in heaven. And he asked you, why should I let you in? What would you say? And this individual said, well, I've lived a good life. Is that enough? No. Because this right here says, salvation is not a reward for the good things you have done. How good do you have to be to get to heaven? how good do you have to be? Well, here's the thing. We always compare people who are worse than us, never better than us. You know what I'm saying? I compare myself and you probably do. Well, I'm not Adolf Hitler, right? I'm not Osama bin Laden, right? I'm not Gaddafi. I'm not all these whatever. We always compare ourselves to people who are really worse off than us. We never compare ourselves to people who are better than us. Well, this verse says none of us are good. We can't get, if you're trusting in you doing good works, doing good things, you're never going to get there. In fact, this verse says, you know what, it's nothing that you do. That means if you get baptized, that's something you're doing. Baptism doesn't save you, but it says you've been saved by his grace when, when you believed. All right, that's huge. Now, baptism doesn't wash away your sins. That's the next thing it doesn't do. It doesn't wash away your sins. There's nothing magical about the water. Nothing magical. In fact, 1 John chapter 1, verse 7 says, The blood of his son Jesus washes away our sins. It's Jesus' death on the cross, his blood, that saves us and gives us forgiveness. So if baptism doesn't save you, if baptism doesn't wash away our sins, then why do we get baptized? And this is our big idea today. Baptizing is identifying with Jesus. In fact, let's all say that together. Baptizing is identifying with Jesus. Now, just as Peyton Manning held up his orange number 18, and he says, I am identifying myself with the Denver Broncos. Just as I bought a book, and on that book, that cover says, this book is, and there it is, just as a soldier makes a decision to say, I'm going to be a part of a branch of the army, and he puts on or she puts on that uniform, baptizing is identifying with jesus christ it's that simple now here's the thing quick question if a soldier isn't in uniform are they still a soldier yes. if, if peyton manning is walking around denver and he doesn't have his number 18 orange on is he still a part of the denver broncos yes. absolutely and that leads me to my second point that just because if you're a christian and you've not been baptized that's what, you're still a christian See, it has nothing to do, uh, you know, baptism doesn't save you, but it does identify you. And it's really important to be identified with Jesus. What baptism is, it's the jersey saying, I'm with Jesus. I'm going public. I am on Jesus's team. Some of you, you've been kind of living your life and you've not identified yourself with Jesus and you're wondering how come all this stuff's happening. Maybe you're getting mistaken for being on the wrong team. Maybe it's like that person we just saw who tackled his own team member. You need to say, I'm with Jesus. And that's what baptism does. Now, what about infant baptism? I always cringe every time I talk about this because there's some of you, and there's some of of us, you actually had that experience of infant baptism. You had that experience with your children. And I don't want to cheapen that experience with you, but you do need to hear what the Bible has to say about infant baptism that there's not one example, not one, in the Bible of an infant being baptized. Not one. In fact, if you would put up that Ephesians two eight nine 9 passage, it says this, God saved you by his grace. What? You see, as an infant, do you have a chance to believe yet? No, you don't have any choice in the matter. You're kicking and screaming, right? And, uh, and, and you know, everybody's pouring water on you. So this happens when you believe. Now, quick question. Why, why then do Catholics and maybe Lutherans, Episcopalians, why do they choose to baptize their babies? Well, they had this mindset back in the thousand eleven, twelve hundred 1200 AD that they equated baptism with salvation, which the Bible never equates. But they thought with the infant mortality rate really high I mean, you know, a lot of times babies were still born or babies would be born and soon they would pass away because of diseases. They would immediately baptize that infant because they were like, okay, we're getting this child in under the wire. But the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says that we, put that Ephesians two eight nine back up there. That's a, we may just leave it up to the entire, I don't know. God saved you by his grace when you believed. That's really important, guys, Ladies. So um, I'm not trying to cheapen your experience. But there's, you see, and, and this goes, um, some people believe that the church has the authority. And I believe that the Bible has the authority. You see, and this is huge here, guys. You see, I believe that here at one church, we take our authority from the scriptures, from the Bible. If Jesus said it, then we do it. Now, some people have this mindset. Well, if the church said it, then we need to do it. And I'm like, uh-uh. Because, see, there's sometimes that the church wants to add the Scripture or take away the Scripture, and we can't do that. So here at one church, the Bible is our authority. And I just want to say this, go out, I don't have a lot of time to. If I say something, you need to go home and you need to read it. Because if I'm not talking from God's Word, I am blowing hot air. You need to search the scriptures because the Bible is our authority. Do you understand? Everybody shake, shake your heads if you do. If you don't, I'm going to preach for 55 more minutes. Everybody's going. All right, go. Cool. All right. Now, now, so that's about infant baptism. Now, so baptizing is identifying with Jesus. Now, that was just the intro, Acts 8. All right, and this will go quick, I promise. In Acts chapter 8, we're going to see an Ethiopian treasure, a guy who had it all. And we're going to see his journey of faith. We're going to see him starting, who didn't know anything about Jesus, and then we're going to see him take some steps, and eventually he learns about Jesus, he asks God to be in his life, and he gets baptized. And there are some certain steps in your spiritual journey today that we're going to unearth through this man, the Ethiopian eunuch, who we don't even know his name, all right? In Acts chapter 8, verse 26, this is after Jesus died, he was buried, he's resurrected, he goes up into heaven, and everybody's talking about Jesus. There's this guy by the name of Philip. Look at verse 26. As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, "Go south down to the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza." All right. So this guy Philip, he's been telling everybody about Jesus. Um, He's been he's been talking about Jesus. He's been Facebooking his friends. Have you heard about Jesus? He's been he's tweeting. He's doing all kinds of stuff. All right. He's telling everybody about Jesus, and and God tells him. You need to go, and you need to start walking. So, what does Philip do? Starts walking, right? He doesn't know what he's getting into. He just, just he's walking. Verse twenty-seven. So he started out, and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, the country. This guy is the treasurer. This guy is big. He's a eunuch of great authority under Kandike, the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and now he was returning. Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. So where was this influential, rich treasure from Ethiopia at in his spiritual journey? Point one, if you take notes, here's the first point. He was at the first point that many of you are here today, and at this point, I'm interested. I'm interested. This guy was seeking. He was seeking after God. He was seeking after truth. He wasn't Jewish, but he had traveled thousands of miles, which took a long time in those days. They didn't have a Greyhound bus, they didn't have a plane. He, he traveled thousands of miles from Ethiopia to Jerusalem to learn more about the God of the Jews. So intense was his quest for spiritual knowledge that he traveled there all the way from his home to learn more about God. He was a seeker. And some of you, you're exactly where this guy was thousands of years ago. You're just seeking. Some of you, you showed up at church for the very first time and you're like, I don't even know why I'm here. Why am I here? And the question is, why did this guy, why was he seeking spiritually? And the answer is, I don't know. Probably the same reason that you are here this morning. Because you haven't darkened the doors of a church in a long time. But this guy, he, 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 he's made it. He is the treasurer of Ethiopia. That's big time. But I, maybe like you, he realized, you know what, he got to the top of success ladder and it wasn't all he thought it was. And he still had this God-shaped void, this hole in his life, that he just had no purpose and no hope and no meaning in his life. So he just kind of wandered to Jerusalem, just like you kind of wandered to one church this morning. So it, it may, he may have may had a tragedy happen in his life. And he said, you know what, i just I got to find God. And mean, God forbid, he may have lost a child. And he decided, or maybe he lost you know something huge in his life. And he just started, I, I got I to gotta find, I got to find these answers to my questions, all right? Maybe that's how you are at here today. Let me tell you, did you know that every day, one-third of the people in the Clarksville area are open to spiritual matters? Did you know that? One-third of everyone. Are open to spiritual matters. And let me tell you the reason why people are open to spiritual things when they have a major life change happen. When they have, get a new job, when they move to a new place, when they get, leave a new place, when they have a new child, when they lose a job, um, when they um, you know they just they're open to spiritual things when they have a major life decision like that. And that's the reason why here at one church, I tell you we got our work cut out for us because everybody's open to spiritual things. You got we got people leaving. Fort Campbell, we got people coming to Fort Campbell all the time. And people are open. One-third of all people are open to spiritual things. Now, the second thing in the Ethiopian spiritual journey is this one. His journey is, I am listening. I am listening. The first was, I'm interested. The second is, I'm listening. Look at verse 28. It says this. Seated at his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk beside the carriage. All right, this has happened to me all the time. I'll be filling up my truck, you know, at the gas station, and I'm getting ready to chop off one of my legs to pay for it. <clears throat> and, uh, and I feel like God's saying, you need to go talk to that person over there. And I'm like, I don't want to do that, right? And I'm sure maybe you kind of felt that spiritual nudge as well. Philip got that spiritual nudge where God was like, you need to go. You need to say something. You need to invite that person. You need to talk to that person. All right, very, very important. So that's exactly what he does. He goes over and he walks beside the carriage. So Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, do you understand what you're reading? The man replied, how can I unless somebody instructs me? And he urged Philip to come on up in the carriage and to sit with him. So what was this person reading? He was reading from Isaiah chapter 53. And Isaiah chapter 53, this chapter, is talking about Jesus, but he doesn't know. He's never heard of Jesus. Look at this, verse 32. So the passage of Scripture he had been reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb is silent before its shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice, talking about Jesus, but he's never heard of Jesus before. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. And then the eunuch asked Philip, what did the the eunuch do? He asked, that's important. I'm going to talk about that. He asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or was he talking about someone else? Now, here's, this is so important because this man, this Ethiopian treasurer, he was reading religious facts, but he didn't understand it. He didn't comprehend it. He knew that he was reading from the scroll of Isaiah. He knew that. Spiritual fact one. He knew that something spiritually significant was taking place, but he didn't know who or what. Spiritual fact two. He was reading facts, but he wasn't understanding it. And some of you, that's exactly where you've been for years. I was there. I grew up in church my entire life, and I heard about Jesus, sin. I I mean, I heard about all this stuff, but, but it was just facts to me. I didn't really understand it until God just like started speaking to me and opened up, and I was like, oh, i got to do something. So, uh, I mean, some of you, that's where you're at now. You grew up, and you've heard all the stories and you all this stuff. You, did the, you saw the pictures, but it's just facts. And there's, you don't really get it here, and you've not gotten it here yet. But this Ethiopian treasurer asked a question. I just want to stop right here and say, this is the reason why we do a lot of things that we do here at One Church. In every series, at least once in a series, I will have my phone up here and my number will be up here and you will text me questions. Because here's the thing, I'm not worried about your questions. I'm not intimidated by your questions. I want to create a place where you can ask questions. Let me tell you, we've created an environment called Starting Point, where you can ask any question you want to. All right? I mean, I, I, you hear me. I don't think God is up in heaven biting his fingernails going, I hope they don't ask that question. Oh, my gosh, what if they think of that? God's got this taken care of. I believe if you're here and you're asking questions, this is a safe place to ask them. It's okay. We all have questions. We want to create an environment where you can engage with God and the Bible and ask your questions because I believe that if you are seeking truth and you ask questions, you will find Jesus. It's that simple, that simple. So the eunuch asked Philip, tell me, what was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So verse 35, so beginning with the same scripture, Philip told him the good news about who? Jesus. Everything comes back to who? It's all about? It's not about denominations. It's not about labels or brands. It's about who? Who? Jesus. That's exactly right, and that's where we point people towards. Let's create environments where people can ask questions, and we tell them about... All right, that's the right answer. All right, all right, cool. Now, the third point, that gets us to the next point, because finally, this guy gets it. Something clicks. Something that Philip said resonates with this Ethiopian treasure, and it finally clicks, and the Ethiopian treasure finally gets it this is a light bulb moment for him this is an aha moment and some of you you're having that right now and it's not because of me or this or anything it's because the holy spirit god is working in your life and it's it's finally sinking in i think i understand this it's just been facts but now it's more than facts this guy understood the significance of jesus and i think philip is spending time and he's sharing this good news that you are a sinner That this Ethiopian treasure was a sinner. He was apart from God. And Jesus Christ came so that him, the the Ethiopian, and God could be together. And Jesus bridged that gap on the cross. That's so very important. All right, And this guy, the light bulb goes off. And finally, he not only gets it, but the next one, this is the last one, he owns it. He owns it. He says, I've got to do something. This stage goes way beyond information and comprehension. This is where we own spiritual truth, where it affects the way we live. Let me tell you here, if you think that you became a Christian and it hasn't changed the way you live, then you are not a Christ follower. It's that simple. In fact, Jesus says, you will know a tree by its fruit. Quick question. How do you know that you have an apple apple tree in front of you? Same with oranges. How do we know that we have a Christian in front of us? Because they are looking more like Jesus each and every day. And if that's not you, if something hasn't changed in your life, you've just went through the motions. You've got spiritual facts, but it's not changed the way you live. Look at this, verse 36. As they rode along, they came to some water. And the Ethiopian eunuch said, look, there's some water why can't I be baptized? So he ordered the carriage to sh- stop and he, they went down into the water and Philip baptized him. At that point, the Bible says that, hey, I want to do this. I want to be identified with Jesus. I want to put on the jersey. I, wanna, I want everybody, when they see me To not just see a guy who has it all and who is an Ethiopian treasurer. No, no, no. I want them to be able to see me, that I identify with Jesus. He was baptized because he had completed, in some sense, a spiritual journey that went from seeking, okay, I'm seeking, I'm interested, to listening, okay, I'm hearing what you have to say, to, you know what, I get it, to last I own this. And some of you are here this morning, and that's where you're at right now. Okay, I finally get it. What do I have to do? What do I have to do? This is huge, because this guy, he said he identified with Jesus through baptism. I'm going to apply this three ways, and then we're done. I want to give you three challenges. The first one is, I want to talk specifically to those people you're like, okay, Chris, I'm, I have a relationship with Jesus, and I've been baptized. Has this been a waste of my time? Absolutely not. Let me tell you, how did the Ethiopian eunuch come to faith in Jesus? Who told him? Philip. Guess what I'm challenging you to be? I'm challenging you. That's right. I'm challenging you to be a Philip. Let me tell you, how I became a Christian is because somebody opened up their mouth and told me the good news of Jesus. Now, I am challenging you. Did you know, and I got this statistic from Perry Noble, a pastor in, South, in, in Anderson, South Carolina. He says this, 95% of people are willing to go to church every Sunday, but the only thing they need is somebody to invite them. So I'm going to make this easier on you guys. We have got thousands of these little one church invite cards, as you go out the door, you're going to see them on a, on a, on a table with a black tablecloth. You can just pick up a stack of these. And when you, go out, when you go out to eat, hey, let me tell you about our church. When you're hanging out with some friends on Friday nights, all right, hey, let me tell you about our church. When you're going out to eat, and, you, and make sure to tip the waiter or the waitress good, don't give them one penny and tell them about Jesus. <laughs> if you do that, tell them you're from another church. I'm telling you from one church, all right? I'm just saying, all right? But as you tip good, you talk about Jesus, right? You earn the right to be heard. You tell this to your friend. Let me tell you, 95% of people will go if you just invite them. I see on these, on these invite cards, the guest services card we ask everybody to fill out. One of the things, how did you hear about one church? A lot of them, most of them, are this. I came because somebody told me. Think of somebody invited me so i'm inviting you be a philip open up your mouth this week what is next sunday easter. everybody goes to church on what easter. easter and christmas right so it's time my friends it's time you won't be strange if you invite them next sunday now the fo- sunday after that you may be a little weird all right all right so all right now the second challenge is this if you're a christ follower if you have a relationship with Jesus and you haven't been baptized, what are you waiting on? What are you waiting on? You know, for the, some of you, you're thinking, well, you know, I, I'm an adult. Adults don't do <clears throat> They don't do this. Let me tell you, two years ago here at this church, I got baptized. <coughs> and it, it, let me tell you the reason why I did. I had been a Christian for a long time, but I got baptized before I made that decision. Some of you, you're here today, and you kind of reversed it, and you got it mixed up. I'm telling you, I think it's important. You need to identify with Jesus. I mean, again, if, if, if Peyton Manning said, told the Broncos, says, hey, I'm willing to do this gig, but I ain't, wearing, I ain't wearing that jersey. I ain't doing that. I'm sure the owner of the team, he'd say, are, are you ashamed of us? I mean, imagine if you're a, a soldier, and you says, you know what, I'm here, but green's just not my color. I ain't wearing the uniform. Would you be in the army too much longer? No. So my question is, how come you're not willing to be identified with Jesus? So my challenge to you, when we leave this place, go to the iPad kiosk. You can click on next steps and sign up to be baptized. And I or one of our pastors will contact you. Now the third challenge is this. There are some of you here this morning who do not have a relationship with Jesus. In fact, if you put up that Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 if you would. <clears throat> I kind of wrecked your world when I read this because your strategy of getting to heaven was, I'm good. I'm not too bad. Yeah, I'm good to go. But God doesn't save us when, we're, when we do good things. God doesn't save us when, we do, when, we, when we're trying to help people out. It's not about what we do. It's not about being a part of a church. It's not about even coming to church. It's not about how much offering you put in the plate, how much money you put in there. It's, it, that's do, do, D-O, D-O, D-O. And let me tell you, we don't get to heaven by D-O. We don't get to heaven by what we do. We get to heaven by what Jesus Christ has already done, D-O-N-E. And what he did on the cross 2,000 years ago is he hung there and God poured the entire sins of the world while Jesus was on that cross. That's the reason why God the Father turned his back because he couldn't look on sin. He did that not for his own sin because Jesus didn't have any sin. He was perfect. But Jesus got on the cross for you and for me. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of God's standard. His standard is perfection. It's not just being better than our neighbor. Let me tell you, Romans 6.23 says this, For the wages of sin is death. A wage is, is a result. It's a cause and effect. He says it's because you've sinned, we have death. And it's not just death like, eh. It's death like we can't, we can't, we can't get to God. We, we're separated from, by our sins. We can't get to God. But let me finish that verse. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift, what do you have to do? It's free. The free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, period. Some of you are here today. I'm going to give you an opportunity right where you're sitting I'm not going to ask you to come forward, nothing like that. But right where you're sitting, for you to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ right now. And if you've got doubts, it's time to eliminate those doubts once and for all right now. So I'm going to ask the lights to go down. I'm going to ask you all to close your eyes, bow your heads, and we're going to talk to Jesus. And for some of you, you just need to get right with him right now. We're going to talk, and you're going to ask Jesus to be your Savior. Before I lead you in prayer, I just want you to just listen. In order for you to become a Christian, what has to happen? You have to realize that you can't do it. You have to realize that your sin has broken your relationship with God irrevocably. You can't fix it. You can't control it. You can't fix it. It's just busted. Then you have to realize that Jesus Christ came into this world and he's the only one who can fix this relationship. It's through Jesus that we have forgiveness of our sins. So right now, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And you can pray this silently. But you just get right with Jesus right now. You can pray after me. Dear Jesus, Lord, I get it. I've heard the facts. I've spent some time. I've I've listened to this stuff for a while, but I finally get it. Lord, that I can't do this on my own. I need you. So God, I believe in you. I put my faith in you, Jesus. Lord, I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins for your blood washes away my sins. I ask you to come into my heart. Listen, Please listen to this prayer, and thank you for listening to this prayer. I pray that you would make me new, and Lord, that this would be the first step of a wonderful life that you want me to have, a full, abundant life in you, Jesus. For it's in your name that we pray. Amen.